Kaya Island is presumably still filled with unmarked graves. They were never marked. These people were buried without ceremony and in dishonor for the humiliating and unrepentable crime of, wait for it, dying. They were buried as unbelievers, far from the House of David settlement and its House of Virgins, and far from the beaches and their shifting sandy soil. Apart from those few limitations, they could be anywhere. They were members of the world-famous House of David cult, headquartered in Benton Harbor, Michigan. The main campus of this cult was in some ways the Disneyland of its day, drawing about 250,000 visitors annually. There was an official band, a theater troupe, and traveling sports team. There was also a list of prohibitions for all community members. No meat-eating, no haircutting, no private ownership, and no sex. Or so they claimed, but we'll come back to that later. And the craziest part, among a true surplus of crazy, is that the House of David was good at pretty much everything it tried to do. Its baseball teams traveled the country with Satchel Paige and the Negro League All-Stars. Its basketball teams toured with the Harlem Globetrotters. And because of the commune's law against cutting hair, all these House of David athletes played with giant beards and hair to their waists, which made them an utterly unique spectacle in American entertainment. On joining the House of David, members turned over their money and holdings, all of it, to the control of Brother Benjamin Purnell, founder of the House of David, and the seventh messenger of the new revelation of heaven. In exchange for their life savings, they would receive eternal life, actual eternal life in this lifetime. All true believers, upon believing and giving him their money, would, Benjamin promised, never die. And yet when their time came, they died. And every time this happened, the cult leader was at a crossroads. He could either admit that his Benton Harbor Israelites, which is what they called themselves, didn't actually live forever, or he could blame the dead for a lack of faith. So, of course, when House of David members died, they were disgraced. Benjamin was so insistent on betraying the dead members of his group for their alleged faithlessness that when his own daughter died in an explosion at a fireworks factory, he refused to collect her body. It's weird, I know, and there's a reason this particular deception is unusual among all the weird promises that cult leaders offer. Relative to other religious bamboozles, it's a fairly stupid trick to fall for. But the Michigan Israelites believed in Benjamin's eternal life, and they buried their dead in dishonor in Benton Harbor, and also on High Island. High Island was kind of like the House of David's own version of the continent Australia. It was a satellite territory that also served as a penal colony far from the Michigan mainland, where members might be banished without leaving the control of the group. Just as England shipped its would-be knots 
and convicts to that distant continent, misbehaving Israelites were sent to the remote water wilderness of High Island to spend cold winters in survivor mode and the moderate summers shipping lumber and vegetables like potatoes back to Benton Harbor. In spite of all its hardships, life on the island appears to have been relatively pleasant and rewarding for those who live there. The first-hand accounts that survive are surprisingly upbeat for the challenges they faced and the cultural limitations of remote island life. They had live music. Of course, nearly every member of that cult was a proficient musician and also played baseball on the island, using large rocks as bases in rough, sandy diamonds. They ate well, sang together, and earnestly discussed the colorful, impossible religious theories of Brother Ben. It was a fairly happy, functional place, with a few exceptions, which brings us to the House of Virgins. While all forms of sex were officially outlawed throughout the colony in favor of pure, more spiritual forms of intimacy, what this really meant, as it does in most celibate cults, is that only the spiritual leader gets to have sex, and he gets to do so with whoever he wants, without having to compete with other men. So Brother Ben, like any cult leader worth his salt, basically turned this happy, productive commune into his own private harem. It was said by his accusers, years later, that he had a sexual relationship with every woman in the colony. Purnell called these trysts rituals of purification, whereby he would cleanse women of their mortality with his own immortal flesh. He built a facility for them in Benton Harbor, called Shiloh House, and housed his favorites here, with private access points to each of their bedrooms. As rumors of Purnell's exploitation spread outside the commune, the government would inevitably come looking for evidence. And when they did, Brother Ben packed up his concubines and sent them north, under cover of night, to High Island. A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. High Island was such a useful hideout for this kind of thing that the community built an octagonal log cabin here to house these girls for as long as they needed to be hidden. It was guarded at night to keep the men out. Hence, the House of Virgins. The House of Virgins was more exotic sounding than exotic looking, but it served its purpose admirably for as long as necessary until Ben could bring his girls home again. The last of these return journeys was initiated by a cryptic telegram. It read, Bring the lumber down. Leave the green lumber off at South Haven and bring the dry lumber through. The dry lumber was the older women Ben was no longer interested in. They could be brought back to Benton Harbor in broad daylight for all the world to see. The green lumber, on the other hand, was Ben's underage harem, who should be dropped off further north at South Haven and returned by land in the dark. The pretext for these involuntary exiles to High Island were always as farcical as they were sinister. They were months-long berry-picking expeditions or vacations on an icy island in the middle of winter. But eventually the evidence piled up against Purnell, and he was taken to court in a trial he was bound to lose. Instead, in a blaze of comedy gold, he became ill and suddenly died, becoming the latest apostate of his own empty promises. The cult itself continued and split into factions. And as of two years ago at least, in 2018, there remained two living members in Benton Harbor. The House of Virgins has since, like all House of David buildings on High Island, and all the graves of its fallen members, disappeared from the landscape. High Island today is uninhabited, The last inhabitants, like the first, were native fishermen. And to be clear, High Island, like all of our islands, had a long history of native settlement and culture long before Europeans showed up with their kings and harems. We'll focus more on the native story of these islands in later episodes. But for now, we'll leave High Island with the Michigan Israelites and head to the Fox Islands, north and south, where things are about to get somehow much worse.